The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning, everybody. And welcome to a new year. This last week, having begun in the Jewish liturgical year, Yom Kippur coming up, but Rosh Hashanah begun. The new year, invited in by eating apples with honey to make it sweet. The year 5,782. Welcome to this new year of church life, too. I'm Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister of the congregation here at First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. We are beginning to reopen slowly. This Sunday, we've got a small choir of people, our RE families re-entering the building. You should get a registration form or opportunity to register to come be here as we try and manage the numbers so everybody is safe back in our space together. At least that's how we're doing it right now, given the information that we have. As you know, this is the way we've been living these last 18 months. And I hoped we will see one another soon. I want to thank the people who are making today's service possible. So, as you saw this morning already, Reiko Odelaine, our organist, and Bill Klingelhofer on Shofar. Bill has the luck, and we have the luck, of having his daughter Sarah Brindell with us this morning, too, from Boston. Sarah is a singer and a songwriter and a professor of music who's with us here from Boston, and we will get to hear two of her pieces this morning. They define the service. So I hope you will enjoy all of the music that we are bringing to you from different parts of this building into one worship together. And part of who is making all that bringing together possible is Jonathan Silk, who is our genius director of communications, and Eric Shackelford and Shuli Ong, who are on our cameras. I am blessed to lead worship this morning with Richard Davis Lowell, our worship associate, and Allison Jacks, who is busy with other things, I guess, at the moment and Joe Chapeau, who is monitoring the chat and can answer any questions that you have if you're joining us with the live stream and you have any questions. Dan Bernard and Thomas Brown are making sure the building and facility are functioning for us. Carrie Steer Salazar made sure that we brought some of the beauty of nature into the sanctuary with our flowers, and Les James and Tom Brookshire and Alex Starr will be hosting the Zoom coffee hour, which is right after service. If you're with us for the first time, please, I invite you to download the order of service so you can follow along with us this morning. And also, there's a connections form, which if you'd like to get our weekly newsletter, online newsletter, and Flame, which are the ways that you can find out about things going on in the congregation, please sign up. We'd love to send it to you. I wanted to call out a few things just as we begin worship this morning first. This August was the 101st anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment when women were finally given the right to vote after decades of agitation. Or and a good thing to remember as we all face this week an opportunity to exercise that right. So please vote this week in California. Also good to remember 
women's freedoms hard won and sometimes lost as our human rights group takes up a few issues this year, including women's rights. And that work will begin on Wednesday morning on the steps of our church from 8 to 9 as part of our rush hour witness that happens weekly. This one will be in particular to protest the Supreme Court's recent ruling on the rolling back of the right that women have to self-determine our bodies, our reproductive choice. So please join us with that and with other related work in the future. Please note, too, that at one today, there is the beginning of some incredible panels on the issue of housing and homelessness, the crisis that is upon us here in the city. They're hosted by Reverend John Burens with some amazing special panelists and speakers. I wanted you to also pay attention that these next few weeks are your time to sign up for a small group, which is an intimate group where you can have rich, deep conversations, I think, about the kinds of things that we come to religious communities seeking to dig into together. So please sign up. They'll start in October. So see the opportunities that you have there and reach out. And also something that didn't get into our flame this week, which is that Amy is going to return with her offering of the incredible Wednesday night yoga program. It's at 7 p.m., this embodied spiritual practice. So just check out the registration form that's necessary and fill it out so you get the link and can be part of that. So welcome. Happy New Year. I hope to see more of you and more of you as the weeks progress. I hope you are all healthy and happy. And knowing that we are not yet all together, we will continue the practice that we have done since we were shut down in March, 18 months ago, lighting a candle in honor of all of you bringing your spirit into this space until we can be together again. And now let's sing together hymn number 219, O Hear My People, a hymn that speaks very much of this day.
will you join me in the lighting of our chalice using words printed in your bulletin? We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Well, I, I, I thought Allison was supposed to be here with me, but, but let me just begin. I have my prop. I didn't get it finished, but I thought I'd make a book of life since what we talk about during Rosh Hashanah is the fact that each year we write into a book of life our deeds, and then at this time of year we spend some time reflecting on them, thinking about how we change them before the book is sealed on Yom Kippur. It's a time to reflect. And super great to be able to do so as we start at this beginning of a new year and we kind of look ahead at what we might find, imagine what this book of life will hold for us in the year ahead. Well, I actually thought as we did so that rather than rely on my own powers, <laughs> which are limited, that I would get out the goggles of infinite perception, which... I had in my office from previous years, they're a little dusty, but anyway, I thought we'd see what we can see. The patent, by the way, is pending, so maybe a source of great income for this church in the future. Oh, oh wow, <laughs> it's so much fun to wear these. <laughs> I love, I love those pajamas some of you are wearing. <laughs> Oh, and some of you need to put on pajamas when your minister puts on the goggles of infinite perception. Warning. Uh, but, huh, huh, that's odd. There's, there's like this wild energy and light behind me, but really it's just the ordinary candles, and it's kind of all over, and, huh, well, that's weird. Well, if you don't mind, I mean, it's a little hard to see with these, but I, I mean, if what we're looking at is, you know, the future, I mean, that's so much more energy than I have, wow, <laughs> seen in the last 18 months that uh, I'm just going to see if I can figure out what it is. But just excuse me. Wow, this is a little treacherous. You can try it sometime. You're, whoa, yourself. Huh. Wow, this light is amazing. I mean, it's like vibrating and it's pulsing and it's just incredible. I mean, what is it? It's oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Vanessa, well, look who's here! Look who's here! Oh my goodness! They, you look so gorgeous. I don't they? They do. It's the first oh. day of Sunday school. Oh, right. That's what It's the want. first day to welcome our families, our children, and our youth back. Say hi, everybody. Hey. It's so great to have you here with us this morning. So today marks the new church year. Wow. I hear myself. I know. I just, I, th I think Hillary figured it out. <laughs> So today is the beginning of the new church year. After this long hiatus since we've all been together, it's pretty exciting mm. to have our children back here together. Sadly, we weren't able to have waffles together this morning, but Courtney 
has made special treat bags that has waffle mix for everybody to take oh, home. Lovely. Thank you, Courtney. So even though things feel different, there's something still really sweet in the air. Well, do you feel that? I do, and it's totally appropriate. I don't. We were just talking in the sanctuary. I, about, no, we, we were busy here, but yeah, I, I, maybe uh, you mentioned something? Well, it was about the fact that it's just the Jewish New Year and Rosh Hashanah just passed where, uh -huh. I don't know if you remember, but you eat apples with honey and it's Apple this honey. idea that you usher in the New Year, which is supposed to be sweet. Right, right. So, well, as I said, things definitely feel sweet here, having everybody back here at church. Here in the playground, our first time doing this kind of gathering. Did I show you what I, I made? For my prop, Allison loves props. So I do. Oh my I had gosh! To show her my it's prop. the the book. Well, I didn't the, the finish it. Up. I ran so out I, of time. I'm not used to doing lettering. Right. So you were, I think you were mentioning huh. something about in the Jewish tradition they have the Book of Life. So, given it's the new church year and it's a very special one, have coming us having us come back together, I have an idea. How about we call that the Book of Our Lives? I like it. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that I had people, I didn't even know you were bringing this, but I had people write down oh. dreams that they've had for the coming year, maybe oh. in a word or a sentence. And so they've got them. And maybe what we could huh. do is start the first chapter of yeah, the book. I like that. So maybe if you want to just set the book, oh. I've got this lovely table here. Wow, that here. is a lovely table. And maybe someone can finish this off for me. There we go. Wow, I love it. So I'd like to start with the younger ones. If they wrote a post-it that they have with them or they've left up on the board and you want to bring it up and put it in the book of our lives, you know, we're collecting our dreams, the dreams for this community. And we'd love to start hearing what your dreams are about this year. So young ones, slightly younger ones, slightly older ones, come forward, don't be shy. You don't mean dreams like when you dream yeah, that you came to church. Yeah, they put them all here on the board. I saw you write that. Okay, anybody who has a dream that wants to put it in the board, please come yeah. forward. Well, and we can also leave it out for a while too. We could. Yeah. But I know people oh. wrote lots oh, yeah, of that's things a good idea. down. I wrote page. one down. Did you? I did write one today. You have a dream that we would have a jacuzzi at church? I, that's. <laughs> I bet maybe one of them did. <laughs> Oh. So if you've got your dreams, come on, write them, to put them up on the uh, in the first chapter of our book oh, of our lives. Oh, I see some mention of a dream of hugging again. I totally am with you on that one. Oh, yeah, health and peace. Oh, I can't read upside down so well. I know someone had a dream that about the pandemic getting some is special over. playing that's cards sure. after church. That's that sounds like playing a good cards one. would be good. Ooh, play jazz. That would be good. That would be very good. We can have a jazz Sunday. I love this. So do other people have any that they want to bring up? It looks like we have a few people who wanted to write to get them included in our story, our book of our lives. Well, and and the book of life is just starting today, so yeah, and it will it's be out gonna here have for, weeks ahead. You know, we're gonna have it out here every Sunday, so if you've got more dreams, you can yeah. add them in. And you can flip Have the page fun. if you need more room. I'm with you, Robert. Have fun. That's a good dream. I'm oh, sorry, Robert Jr. Yeah. I know what Robert Sr. said. Yeah. Yeah. End of peace. Exactly. Lovely. Well, thank Connections. you all for bringing, bringing your dreams. Yay. So everyone, if I can have your attention, 
because it is the start of the church year. Get all A's, says Karina. All right. Get all A's, yeah. That's a good one. It is. So as done every year we have a blessing for the start of the new church year. I just want to give Karina an A in church. You have it right now. That's right. It's done. <laughs> you all get A's for being here at church I think. So I'd like to have the children and youth kind of gather sort of in an inner circle and the parents come in an outer circle. So just kind of organize yourselves. Yeah, just kind of get in a circle, and parents on the outer circle. And if parents need to be with their kids, if that makes it more comfortable, that's fine. And you have to do it fast, or church will go overtime. Yeah. So quickly, everybody, we need you just remember how it was in regular in the sanctuary? We need to get you all in, and then parents around. Oh, the herding of cats that uh, is church is. life. This I've is. forgotten how gorgeous and fun there it is. There we go. All right. So everybody, Woo. now I want the kids to be facing outward, looking at the adults, and I want you to put your hands out because there's so much energy in our palms, and we want our parents to raise their palms, arms as well, palms forward, so that energy is moving back and forth and back and forth. And we want the choir and Reiko and everybody in the sanctuary everybody and everybody at home. at home. We want you to have your arms up and that energy flowing that we're blessing our community, we're blessing our children and youth on the start of this year, our families, everyone who needs a blessing. And now in this ritual that we're going to be doing, there is a refrain. And the refrain is, this is our story. And so we'll cue you in, but that's what we're going to say out loud together. This is our story, and you'll know when it comes. Vanessa? We come together grateful for the gift of life and the blessings that come from being in community with one another. May the bonds of love and friendship between us grow stronger. This, this is, is our, our story. story. We welcome back our children and families. May the coming year deepen connections, invite lively explorations, and strengthen our spiritual foundation. This, this is, is our story. We offer deep gratitude to our staff, church leaders, our members, and our friends, whose vision, whose imagination, whose dedication has kept our community together during these challenging times. This, this is, is our, our story. May our stories guide us as we begin this new year, full of hope, of promise, of joy and laughter. We are bound by this great love that holds us together. This, this is, is our story. We welcome you all. May the blessings of community, of friendship, of care and connection be with us all of this year ahead. This is our story. Amen. Amen. So children and youth, you're going to head to class. Parents, if you're going to attend worship, you're going to go out the courtyard into the doors to the back of the sanctuary and they will escort you in. Will you join me for our spoken covenant followed by our sung doxology? Both are found in your bulletin. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. 
This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. Recognizing there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we ring our gong today in honor of three such places of suffering and struggle. We ring our gong first, as we have since July of 2019, for those lives held and those lives lost in federal custody in our detention camps for the mourning, uh, the mounting trauma to children separated from their families, for all people held without charges in less than transparent or humane circumstances. In this repeat of some of the most shameful chapters in our nation's and our world's history of xenophobia, racism, and greed, we ring the gong seven times for this week's of days in which Human dignity has been dismissed and our responsibility for that as citizens of this country. We ring our gong additionally once for the losses this week due to COVID-19. This last week, 60,905 people died of COVID globally, 9,644 in the United States alone. We hold in our hearts all of those losses, each one of those people precious and worthy of healthy and safety. And we hold with gratitude all who are working around the world to produce and distribute vaccines and all other efforts to support greater health, survival, and immunity from the virus. Finally, we ring our gong once for those we lost on September 11, 2001, almost 3,000 souls representing every cult, color and creed of the rainbow for those lost and those left behind, so much to remember and hold. May we keep those we have named and their loved ones in our thoughts and in our prayers. And may we ease the tide of human suffering this week however so we can.
So much to remember and to hold. The global, the national, the circles of concern, wide as they can be, and then closer and closer in. Finally, to hold the challenges and the hopes and the hurts and the cares of our own intimate lives. All of it to hold with just these two hands. And to hold with this heart that loves and lips that speak that life that this life is about service. So much we are called to hold and to serve. So I invite you to join me, join together in a time of shared silence. Let's make space for all that fills the space inside us, offer it up and sit in some stillness, present to all of it and ourselves. Please join me in silence. As I invite us back out of silence, we take back all the obligations and all the blessings that we hold and love and serve and ask that clarity and strength and joy walk with us. Amen.
There's a good buzz in the office and on the trading floor this morning. Last night, we hosted a big conference and Diana Ross wowed the crowd. Somewhere her song, I'm coming out, plays on a desk speaker. It's still dark here at 5.30 in the morning in San Francisco, but in the financial district, it's busy. Because it's 8.30 in New York City, and we always work on New York City time. Large video monitors spread around the room, show the blue sky over the Hudson and over Manhattan. It's a beautiful day in New York, they say. Financial commentators drone on and on, and then it all changes. Voices grow silent, and then shouts and cries and confusion. For me, a day of awareness, an awakening of some kind, a day the unthinkable became real, a day that changed my understanding of the world. To that point, I'd only felt what I'll call evil's presence in its passing, and, and maybe I thought I knew what it was, but I didn't. I think I learned something new about evil that morning, that it exists for its own sake alone. The smoke, the cries, the destruction. Now I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. Those words seem to rise from the scenes playing across the monitors. That morning, as the office erupted into confusion, I remembered a voice coming over the intercom telling us to go home to our loved ones. And as I stumbled back to the subway, seeing the faces of those unaware of what had just happened, I remember wanting to cry out, didn't you see, don't you know? And I remember how I didn't want to see and I didn't want to know. Later that day, as word came of friends, both safe and gone, I remember realizing how it is possible that another human being would intentionally kill or destroy as many and as much as possible for its own sake. And I recall the words of my grandmother Edna, something she learned and passed on from a time long before any of this, but rang just as true. She said, Richard, be careful. They'd just as soon kill you as look at you. Evil brushed my face that morning. It touched my forehead, kissed my lips, and was let loose. I think I've sensed its presence since then in legal decisions that tear mothers from children in the betrayal of trust that begins with an unwelcome touch and ends without conscience or regret, in a knee pressed deliberately to a neck without remorse as life seeps away and a crowd watches. How I wish I could tell Grandma that you're wrong. That's not true. No one thinks or acts like that. 
but they do again and again. But Grandma, here's what I do know to be true. In this moment, in the middle of what for many are called the days of awe, where both the head of the year, Rosh Hashanah, and the day of cleansing, Yom Kippur, are acknowledged and celebrated, I find renewal, safety, and hope in our temple, in person, again, this morning, or virtually. I am thankful for having made it through those fear-filled days of 20 years ago. And even though in my heart I have new fears about what is coming, I am comforted by the words of an ancient poet. You are my shepherd and I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures and lead me beside the still waters. You restore my soul. You guide me in straight paths for your name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will rest in your house forever. Our offering this morning is going to go to the Jewish Family and Children's Services, an incredible organization that right now is among the leaders in helping Afghan refugees resettle here in the United States, those in particular who worked with Americans, those who have targets on their backs, many of them, as they make their way, and a huge number of them here to the Bay Area, in fact. So in the full spirit of this day, I invite us to make a special offering. Those of you who are here in the sanctuary can make it either online with everybody else or there's a basket in the back as you leave, so we won't be passing it. And for those of you who are at home, there's a donation tab, but you can also send in checks if you prefer. Let's give to support those who are finding their way without much support to make this place home. Keep tumbling down Now the walls are gone And I can't see my way out Like a baby Finding sight I stumble As I'm looking through my new eyes 
myself Waiting for destiny to steal me from the shelf I was a queen on a throne till perception came around Now the mirror's broken, I can't take off my crown Like a blind girl finding sight I'm humbled when I'm looking through my new eyes New eyes Like a woman bathed in light I'm humbled when I'm looking through my new eyes New eyes Readjusting my emotions Realigning my faith Redefining my emotions I am Adjusting my emotions, realigning my faith, redefining my emotions. I am humbled by the pain, and I see the beauty. And now I know my suffering is just love in disguise. Our reading this morning is a poem by Lynn Unger entitled Blue from her collection These Days, which speaks both to this idea of what the world is and how we see it and our chance to choose how we see it, all kinds of new eyes. Let's call that patch of blue sky a sunny day and that flash of a blue jay's wing a stray bit of heaven. But why stop there? Isn't that blue recycling bin some sort of hint at redemption? All the ways that we might be made anew? And surely the boy in his blue hoodie at play in the field is a promise that the world goes on. Look around. It could be that the world is awash in blue. And you simply have neglected to notice. Here ends our reading.
people of the world scrounging for one more meal big man sits on his throne closing another deal Everyone's looking to save more time Buy a big house, make the social climb What are we waiting for? Where do we go? People of the world stuck in a lonely room Shutting their blinds, afraid of the beautiful moon Fixing their eyes on a searching for something to blame diving for dollars in a material game all I want is to be by your side casting love into the
Thank you, Sarah, choir, wherever you are. They say when we are faced with tragedy that often we tell the stories until we don't need to tell them anymore. So let me remind you of mine from this anniversary that we've just walked through, are walking through. 20 years ago, I was one month into a new settled ministry in a commuter suburb of New York City. I drove to work with the windows down that morning because it was one of those gorgeous, crisp fall days with bright blue skies. Once in the office, the face of the administrator alerted me immediately that something was wrong and the phone calls began. There was an enormous amount of grace that day. School had started in many of the local towns, and so there were a lot of people who would have been in the towers who were not yet there because they wanted to see their kids off on the bus that morning. My sister-in-law was late to work that day. A cousin who worked on one of the lower floors in the Wall Street Journal offices at the second tower that was hit, made it out after the first was struck. He tells of people waving them back in, saying to him and his colleagues as they streamed out, it's okay guys, it was the other tower that was hit, you're safe, you can go back in. Luckily they didn't. There were many folks we didn't hear from for a while, right, because the cell coverage was out. That cousin and a son of two of our members were among the people who walked home, these two, to their Brooklyn apartments miles and miles across bridges and finally home to panicked, grieving loved ones. He's safe, Vanessa. The call came at 5 p.m. And all day, people emerged at the local train station, shell-shocked and ghost-like, covered in their suits of white ash. Chaplains and family members and neighbors tracking who returned and who didn't. Nine fathers would not return home to the town where the church was. Nine families would be among the thousands of casualties that day. None of the fathers were members of our congregation, but they were friends and neighbors and colleagues. And you all know, none of us escaped. That day, the sense of what we lost and would lose just began. There was the small loss, for a while at least, of a trust of crisp blue fall days the loss of a sense that life is necessarily safe and predictable. I mean, we all know that we're not invulnerable, but even so, we lost a piece of our invulnerability that we didn't know we thought we had, many of us, when this enormous evil hit home. We saw with new eyes our world, and as Richard named in his reflection, what it was was hard to see. When all the lives from the planes and the Pentagon and the World Trade Center were finally counted, it was 2,977 people. 
But by now, the count has to include the approximately 2,000 people who are estimated so far to have died from complications that resulted from them breathing in what was in the air in the days afterwards as part of the rescue efforts. And then there were the 2,400 U.S. military personnel who lost their lives in the 20-year war in Afghanistan and the nearly 50,000 Afghan civilians who died let alone all those injured and maimed. There was more. The loss of freedoms, probably more of our privacy than we know. We lost the opportunity costs of all the resources spent on war that could have been spent on improving human lives. We lost a piece of our nation's soul in places like Abu Ghraib, So much to remember and to hold, right? We stand now on what was and is a long road of coming to terms with what happened to us then, a long journey of figuring out what healing would look like, navigating how we would find our way back from what happened and coming to terms with how it would change us, these new eyes. We were forever adjusting our vision to what they forced us to see, offered us to see. A big piece of the journey has been, always is, about weathering grief, all the layers of it. The Reverend Gwen Burens, John Burens' wife, Erica's mom, and one of my mentors, a wise woman, described it really truthfully and succinctly to me once when she said, at first, what's striking about grief is how it defines you entirely. It's all you can think about, how it's what you wake up to and what you go to bed at night clutching, how it's true that ultimately it never goes away, but it does, she said, morph over time until it becomes a part of you. That one day you aren't only the person who lost their spouse or a loved one in the attacks of September 11th, though you will always be that person in part. You become the person who lost someone they loved that day and the one who leads the annual food drive at church and works with others who've lost loved ones and even laughs at the family reunion when the charades game goes off the rails. It takes time to make that transition, more so the more intimate the loss. But that's often how it goes if you make your way through it. And there are some things that help us get there. Decades ago, Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote a book called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. It chronicles his struggles emotionally, theologically, with a son who was diagnosed just after that son's third birthday with a condition called progeria, or rapid aging. 
The diagnosis meant that their son would never grow to be more than about three feet in height, would never grow hair on his head, would look like a small old man while he was a child, and would die in his teens. All of this bore out in the years to follow. Having grown up and been taught an image of God who was all wise and powerful and protective and loving, none of that would make sense to Kushner. And because it didn't, he was forced to begin this journey of seeking a new understanding of suffering. Early on, the, one of the first things he realized was the need to reject the notion, any of it, that suffering or evil was punishment or that it ever happens for any God-given reason or purpose. Instead, he thought, maybe God wasn't the one who caused suffering, but the force of life, however that shows up, however we know and name that, that suffers with us, that journeys with us through suffering, suffering that is brought on, as it almost always is, by human error or evil or natural disasters or natural processes, aging or the mutation of a virus. Kushner also started to gather up what else helps bring us through, companions us through suffering to the place where it's just a piece of us. And you know, in rereading all that he writes, all that he comes to, I was thinking that this list was and is probably just the same collection of things through time and how I was gonna stand this morning and you were gonna be here in body or spirit in the home of a religious community that's been around since 1850, some place in this city. And I couldn't help but think about the fact of all the things that all of our people have weathered. I mean, just the wars, <laughs> the Civil War, the war to end all wars and the war that followed, Korea and Vietnam, two major earthquakes, the plague of 1918, HIV and AIDS, pandemic, to name just a few, and all of the upending of lives and seemingly unprecedented suffering they all felt and that isn't even to name the intimate, private sufferings of losses and accident and illness that they each had. To my calculation, every generation since this congregation has been founded has borne witness to catastrophic loss of some kind. And every generation has had to find a way through to a place where grief was a piece of them, but not all that defined them. Yesterday, I gave a prayer to open the 11 o'clock shift, one of three, at a community event that was down at the Palace of Fine Arts that by the end of the day, 
looked like they were on track to package together 200,000 dinners to be delivered by the San Francisco Marin Food Bank. It was part of 9-11 efforts that happened all across the country yesterday and that the organizer said now made September 11th the biggest day of community service in our nation annually. A day that started with evil. And yesterday, when I ran by to grab a stole to wear at that event, the door was opened for me by someone I did not recognize, who it turned out was a volunteer from San Francisco, from Impact SF, because they were here to lead at cost, meaning we hosted them, this self-defense training for women that they're famous for that not only helps women, and I suppose they train men too, protect themselves, but also has been shown to promote deep healing for those who have suffered from attack or abuse. And this person who greeted me at the door, I don't know, they just awakened me to the fact that I think we're in a thaw that life is coming back to our limbs and our children and some of our choir are back today in a careful calculus of risk that makes me a little nervous but also I really do want to be back in community. And it made me think that part of what I think pulls us human beings through, through all the ages and catastrophes that we will suffer, that we have suffered, is present in all of these things I just named and so many others. It's this stubborn human spirit, but I would say religious spirit, because that word religious is perfect to describe it. Because that word has, as many of you know, in its origins, the word religiare, which means to bind together. This instinct we have when the world delivers us setback to bind together, to bind up wounds, to bind up the broken places, to bind ourselves to one another. Though we can often act in ways that don't speak to just that binding, that can speak of fear and hate, that can also be a response, there is, it has to be named, this urge in the face of loss and suffering and even fear to bind up. And more of that work is certainly ahead. You can see it, right? The war in Afghanistan officially declared over recently, and so the need to bind up all the veterans who are already home, but others coming home. All we've asked them to do, the unspeakable things we've asked them to do in our name. And all the refugees with targets on their back who are lucky enough to find a way through the evacuation to now try and make home here among us bind their lives back together, and as the pandemic ends, to figure out where the broken places are among us and in us and bind it up. 
all of this work that leads us, I think, to this place where grief is a piece of us. And one last thing. I also think in the midst of all this binding up that we need to give ourselves permission to step into beauty and the joy of life. Full-hearted again. We've learned an enormous amount in the last 20 years and in the last two. We've taken away wisdom about what matters and faith, I hope, in our own resilience and knowledge about these wellsprings inside us that maybe we didn't know existed before. And we have been reminded, right, to love deeply and to make memories because love and memories cannot ever be taken from us and to put stock in one another because that's what gets us through together. And that as we do so, we bind up all those who are hurting, don't lose sight of them. But that what pulls us through too is a love and a lust and a celebration of life. In the Jewish tradition, Kushner writes that there is this special prayer called the Mourner's Kaddish and how it's not really about death but about life and how it sings praises, surprisingly, for those of you who haven't read the words, about a world and a life that's basically good and livable, sings that in the face of grief and loss. He writes, by reciting that prayer, the mourner is reminded of all that is good, of all that is worth living for. Seeing the tragedy in the context of a whole life, keeping one's eye and mind on what has enriched you, and not only on what you have lost. So may we see with new eyes that are not afraid to seek life and see healing and possibility where loss and grief reside also. May we write the best of what we have come to know as true in these last years into the book of life this next year, into the book of our lives. May we seize joy. And in doing so, may we make a blessing of a sweet new year, not just words or prayer, but a promise to ourselves and each other that we keep. Happy New Year, everybody. Blessings. Our closing hymn is one that our tradition often used to sing, still does, at big events, though, as we were reflecting at staff meeting, it's one that gets sung less and less, and Reiko suggested that it's possibly because of its militaristic energy, which I think she's right on that. But Mark suggested it. He pointed out how appropriate the words are for this beginning Sunday, and I think he's right. So let's sing together our closing hymn number 358, rank by rank, again we stand.
now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us, out from within us, be gracious unto us, and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.